right, welcome to Growing Your Successful Business. Uh, this is episode seven, and I'm Brian Harding, and I'm with Kevin House from Center Collision today. I'm really happy to have Kevin here. Uh, thanks for listening, and uh, please don't be afraid to tell a friend or an associate or a coworker or a family member about the about the podcast. We're glad to have all you guys listening. Uh, real quick, my contact information, if you would like it, is growingyoursuccessfulbusiness.com or brianlharding.com. You can find all the links to Facebook and YouTube on there. Uh, you can email me also at brian at brianlharding.com. And uh, let's get right to it. I want to introduce Kevin House. Like I said, he's with Center Collision. He's the owner there. Center Collision is an auto body repair shop here in Tacoma. They are located at 1111 Center Street. And their number is 253-779-8342 or centercollision.com. And uh, for those of you that don't know Kevin, Kevin is a very kind, super smart guy. And um, I learned a lot from him in the beginning of our journey. Uh, Kevin, uh, I leaned on him a lot in the beginning. He had been in business for seemingly forever at that time. I think he'd been in business now 20 years. Is that right? 21 years, something like that? Now I have, yeah. Yeah, so back then he had been in, in business for 12 years or so, and that seemed like forever. And um, like I said, I leaned on him a lot in the beginning, just asking him tons of questions. And um, Kevin was the first one that really showed me the benefits of a business owner taking the time to just talk about stuff with other business owners who are not as experienced or, uh, in my case, didn't know what the hell they were doing. And uh, it really showed me, spending time with Kevin showed me how powerful um, it is for just a business owner who has that kind of experience to share things um, with somebody, again, who's fairly new. And uh, I would get a lot of, uh, just listening to Kevin talk. It wouldn't necessarily be about things that were specifically related to our business. Uh, it wasn't like he was talking about things that um, in the moment were like, oh, hey, I'm really glad you said that right now because it, it, it's going to help me solve this problem right now. It just gave me a great understanding of just kind of how the brain works and how your thought processes were and the experience you had. And uh, Kevin and I still get together once in a while and talk about just stuff. We, uh, we bounce ideas off each other. Um, we call each other out of the blue once in a while and say, hey, well, I, I got this going on or I had this going on. What do you think? Or let's go out and hit, a, hit an afternoon on the boat or let's go get some lunch and, and uh, kick some things around. Um, and so kind of really in an inver inadvertent kind of way, you're the reason I'm doing this. I don't know if you know that or not. Probably not. I didn't know that. Um, but that that experience I had as being a, a newcomer into this world of, of running businesses, um, Kevin was a huge, huge help for me, and, a, and, a, and I really really was thankful for all the, all the time he spent. Again, he wasn't getting anything out of it. It was just, uh, but it was really beneficial for me, and so that's kind of what, what led me down this path is is kind of returning the favor. So in some ways, you can thank or or not thank Kevin for this. If you're, if you're a fan, I guess you can thank Kevin. If you're not, then I guess you won't, but... Um, also, Kevin started a really cool program at Center Collision called Wheels to Prosper, and we'll talk about more of that in a little bit. Um, so before we get into the details of the business, though, I do want to help dispel one myth with our audience. And uh, Kevin, you can certainly jump in here whenever you want. But All right. um, most folks think that if you have a car accident, you call your insurance company first, and they say, okay, here's our three preferred providers to take your car to to get fixed. And then you have to use one of those providers that your insurance company has given you. But that's not really how it works, right? Tell, why don't you tell us how it really works? Okay. Man, that's a great question, Brian. A uh, good way to start off. Um, you know, the insurance companies um, are, are very helpful uh, when you've been in an accident, and they will provide uh, shops for you to go to. And those shops are certified. They have a certain criteria they have to meet. Um, but you certainly do not have to go to those shops. Um, 
what I always tell people is um, check the reviews on a shop. Just like right. if you're going to go to dinner or go somewhere you haven't gone before, and most people don't get in accents very often. So if you check reviews, then you can make a decision that way. But certainly um, you're welcome to go to any shop that um, that you feel comfortable with. That's the most important thing is making sure that, that you're um, – you're comfortable with the decision you're making. They do provide um, shops to go to, and um, a lot of people have good experiences with that. What we do is um, we offer, uh, um, you know, the same service. Uh, we actually have a, a nationwide warranty, which is above and beyond you're going to get at most any other body shop, and uh, it's it's something that we're proud of, and uh, I think that a appeals to a lot of people, just knowing that they have a, a warranty to back the work that was done to their right. car. And so I think most people have a concern that if they go outside of the network that the insurance company gave them, the insurance company won't pay the bill. That's not how it works, though, right? They'll pay the bill as long as you're certified and all the stuff you need to be to, to do auto body repair. Yeah. They're not going to den deny paying a claim because you went to, to Center Collision instead of Brand X Auto Body Shop, right? Well, a common thing that people will have in their mind is like, okay, the insurance company gave me a check for, I'm going to just say a number, $3,000. If your estimate's over that, Kevin, then you know um, that's going to complicate things because I don't want to pay any extra money. So the thing about it is um, when an insurance company writes an, an initial estimate, that's really what it is, an estimate. It's not a final product. It's not the end result. It's just a, a way of getting it started and getting um, kind of getting the cards out on the table. So right. once it comes to shop, there's always going to be a supplement to that. I mean, it could be broken clips or whatever we're going to run into. But generally speaking, there's um, there's going to be additional things once the bumper is taken off or whatever parts um, are um, covering up hidden damage underneath. So sure. So we always um, want to get the car in the shop, disassemble it, and get down to you know the nuts and bolts of what's really going on. Right. Gotcha. Well, good. I'm glad we got that. Uh, I, I, it's always something that we, when I knew I've talked about, you know, people just don't understand how that stuff works, and they're intimidated by, they're already in a stressful situation, and they get told, hey, go here, and they just, you know, they just go there. That's what they're told to do, so. And, and there's, again, Brian, there's nothing wrong with that, um, but, you know, if a person wants to make a conscious choice, um, we're certainly, we do the the exact same thing, um, and we try to step it up in a couple different ways, and sure. we'll get into yeah, that, we'll get too. we'll get into that stuff, sure. So why did you start your own business? You, you've been in business now 20 years or, or more. Why did you start your own business? Well, you know, I, I think everybody has that, you know, either momentary or long-term idea of like, you know, I want to live the American dream. I want to I experience what is available. And for me, I had experienced a few different things. I'd worked at, worked at UPS for seven years, uh, gained some valuable experiences there. Um, also learned a lot of things that, if I ever had a business that I would not do, and you know that's that's just part of you know part of the way it goes sometimes. And uh, I was in a, another business that failed. Um, I lost money in that. It was difficult, but uh, ultimately, I seemed like I kept falling back on this hobby I have of working on cars. And so right. um, I just kept falling back and falling back, and I just realized that I, there's something to this. And I, um, you know, I started doing it at my house and. Uh, really got to the point where I enjoyed it, and I, I was looking for what's the next step, what's the next step, and uh, it just continued growing, and um, sometimes it got a little bit ahead of me, to tell you the truth. Right. Yeah, there's definitely times where it seems like it's running you, and you're not running it. There's yeah, no, no but it just got to the point where um, I thought, well, this um, this hobby of mine, actually, it can be a, 
it, it seems to be uh, working out well. I enjoy doing it. It's um, it's making me money. Actually, it was, I was making more money than I was working, you know, making working at my job. So I thought, well, I don't see any reason why I shouldn't pursue this. So, so you didn't work in a traditional. I mean, you, you didn't work in a traditional body shop before you started your own business. You were doing it as a hobby. So I actually did. Oh, you um, did? Okay. It was a real small operation, kind of a one-man operation, and uh, I actually learned some valuable stuff from from that that person. And um, yeah, and matter of fact, when I get stuck, I'd give him a call, and you know, he was always helpful to you know guide me with the uh, you know how to overcome some of the mistakes I would make. And I, I guess I learned a lot of uh, my experience just through hard knocks, you know, right. tri- trial and error, and you know, failure and all that so yeah just uh um just looking for ways to improve you know right so you and i both are are in trades where it's more likely for somebody to start their own business than if we were bankers not many bankers set out to start their own bank um right you know those those bigger uh google employees don't probably generally tend to to figure out how to start the next google but people working on cars people in the trades Mm -hmm. those folks are are more likely to, to start their own businesses. And one of the things that you, you've mentioned to me before um, is that, and I've experienced this as well in my industry, but but folks who, who are good at their craft and good at their trade immediately believe that that makes them good at running their own business in that craft or trade. Why don't you talk about that a little bit? Okay, that's, um, that's a good one, Brian. Um, and I fell right into that myself. Uh, so it seems like the natural progression is you, you get to a point, um, especially in, in, in automotive, um, since we're talking about that, to, to get to the point where, hey, I'm a pretty good technician. I can fix cars. I can paint them. I can do whatever. So I think the next step for me is to do, as I think other people have done you know, prior to me, and start your own company. And that's fine. But what you have to realize is that your qualifications as being a good body man, good technician, good mechanic, does not qualify you to be a a good business owner. What? What do you mean? How could that be? That's right. You know, <laughs> the thing is, you know, um, and, and that's a bit of an eye opener for people. It was for me because I thought, okay, I'm just going to open up a business and people are just going to come in. Things are going to go well. I'm going to make money and, you know, things will work out. And it's not that way. It's um, it's a it's a hard road. So what, is, what are some things you remember um, early on where you were kind of having this lesson in life taught to you? And you're becoming aware that your skills as a body man didn't uh, necessarily mean you were going to be a good business person. What were the kind of things that you were experiencing that led you to this belief? Well, um, I I realized that I think I, I could make more money working for somebody else than I could for myself. <laughs> right. And the reason I say that is because um, you have a lot of things to deal with when you're a business owner. You have you have um, you know, you've got marketing, you've got finances, you've got, um, you know, uh, HR, you know, situations. Um, do I hire employees? What do I expect out of them? Um, are we th- they being productive? Are they not? So when you when you jump into the arena of uh, being a business owner, it's, um, it's a lot of times a, a very eye-opening experience. And a lot of people, they, they really, truly believe that, you know, if you have the qualifications as a technician, that, that naturally um, that you'll be a, a good business owner. And um, I think it, it definitely can happen, um, but a person needs to realize that you're taking on a whole new job and you have to have the um, discipline and desire to 
want that job because some people don't. Right. To tell you the truth, they really, they really enjoy working on the cars and they want the business. They want the, yeah, I guess the benefits of owning a business, and there are some. But um, the reality is that you have to be kind of humble and willing and have the desire to to take on to take off the one hat and put on a new one. Right. And, and especially for folks in the trades working on cars or building houses or, or whatever, um, people who are good at those types of crafts aren't necessarily always people people, mm-hmm. and they're not always necessarily uh, statisticians. Uh, you know, they're uh, And running and, and owning a business is you kind of have to be able to either do both or delegate some of those things, but be aware of both. You have to, you know, all the, like you talked about HR and hiring people, mm-hmm. That's that's not a, a numbers type decision making process. That's that's a uh, that's a people thing, and people who are good at fixing cars aren't necessarily good at dealing with people. Right. And people who are good at fixing plumbing aren't necessarily good at dealing with people. So you could be the best plumber or car tradesperson in the world, but if you can't deal with people, you can't have employees. And, and makes con- it tough. Conversely, if you're really good at with dealing with people, but you're not very good at numbers. And you, so you can't keep track. You can't read a P&L or you can't understand what, how to read a balance sheet or you don't understand what your marketing spend should be. Um, that's equally difficult. Um, and I think that people just don't aren't aware that those are the real tasks that go along with uh, with running their business. So um, I think I think we've all kind of seen people who come out on their own. And, and people can do really well being a one one person operation because you can you can kind of manage yourself. You can be disciplined enough to manage yourself. You, you don't have to be a people person to manage yourself. Right. But to go beyond a one-person one operation, what did you have to do to, to, to get outside of that comfort zone you're talking about where you were a good technician? What did you have to learn to get to that next step outside of being you know, a, a company of one? Right. Well, number one, um, you can't be an expert at everything. So th- you, you definitely, as a business owner, you have – you have the responsibility of um, understanding certain things about your business. Some of them you're probably going to excel at. Some of them you probably won't. And those are things that you still have to have enough knowledge about to um, to know whether it's going right or wrong. Okay. And but um, the thing is, um, you just you have to take responsibility for everything, whether you like it or not. If it's part of the business and it's part of the um, the game plan and responsibility of owning that business, uh, whether you're good at it or not, you either have to learn. Like I'll be honest with you, Brian, I'm not really, a, I'm not a computer geek. In our industry, you know, computers are, there is something I've had to learn, and I'm, uh, I've struggled with it. You right. know, it's been hard. Um, it doesn't come natural. <laughs> yeah, and so I've uh, successfully hired people that are smarter than me. So, which I don't think is too hard. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> So well, and that's one of the things that I think you you kind of nailed it there is is there's there's a fine line there of hiring somebody to do a task or a job that you're not necessarily good at, but you have to have a, at least a basic understanding to know if it's working or not. Yes, and and that's the tricky part is how could you possibly you've already identified this as something you're not good at, uh, and thus you're hiring a person to do that. How can you become educated enough to to monitor how a person is doing this job who's infinitely better than you are at it mm-hmm. but but you have no knowledge of even what to look for so how do you start identifying what those things are to, to even know what to look for okay well what i did is i realized i was way over my head in business years ago uh we had bought a building 
it got to the point where we, our, our business had progressed to the point where um, I knew I needed to look at buying um, commercial property. So we did because I'm like, well, I'm 40 years old and I got to, looks like I'm, this is, this is it for me. Right. <laughs> so what I, um, I was uh, fortunate to come across a company that was a consulting company that specifically dealt with um, automotive shops. So like mechanical repair and also auto body repair. And what they did is um, they offered me a training program. They put me on a six-month program. And, uh, and I'll be honest with you, Brian, it cost me a lot of money. Sure. It, it was money I didn't have. And it right. was, I was already working pretty close to seven days a week and, you know, sometimes 12, 14 hours a day. And I thought, well, something's got to give here because there's no more days in the week. Right. And there's <laughs> and no I more got days it. in the day. Yeah. yeah. And so something's got to change. So I realized that they, they, um, they offered – help with businesses like myself where people had taken that leap from being a technician to being a business owner and needed help doing it. So I signed up for a six-month program and like I said, I, I borrowed money off my credit cards. It was money I didn't have, but I, I knew that I want to succeed in business and I was just, I felt like I was going in circles. I, I never went to college. I mean, right. I, the couple classes I took, you know, uh, didn't get me real far. <laughs> right. So... Um, they were a huge help for me. And matter of fact, I've been with them over 10 years now. And they, um, they helped me to realize that um, I, had to, I had to put on a business owner's hat and I had to um, assume that the role of a business owner rather than trying to figure out um, how to do every single job. So I had to know enough about it. And they helped me to identify um, different categories in my business, like, uh, like I said, HR, accounting, um, you know, production, uh, marketing, mm -hmm. different things like that. And they actually put it on a board and they, um, helped me identify what those roles were and who was going to be doing it. Was it going to be me? Was it going to be somebody else? And so identifying those roles was helpful. And then also specifically, um, help helping me and guiding me to know what the responsibilities and the, um, the key things to be looking for if somebody else was going to be doing it um, or even myself, you know, mm -hmm. to make sure that um, certain things are being watched. And right. so they, they really taught me to look at my business um, on more of the statistical level and using graphs and charts and, um, and tracking certain things in the business to know whether there was a problem or if it was, it was a good thing or if it's in normal condition. So, um, I, I, they taught me how to analyze and make decisions based off of facts rather than just speculation. Right. Yeah. And I think that there are a couple of things you said there. Um, I, I always kind of, in my mind, running a business is kind of like being a conductor in an orchestra. Um, I don't need to know, I don't need to know how to play the part that the second violin plays, but I know, I know it's wrong when I hear it wrong and right. I know it's right when I hear it right. So I need to know enough about what they're doing to, to make sure it meshes with everything we're doing. And one of the things I think that, you know, you talked about working for companies and learning how not to run a business. And I've, I've had similar experiences and my partners, we've had similar experiences as well. And um, we've worked for some companies together and learned a lot about how we would not do things. And one of the things I, I've seen um, small business people, uh, when they, years into running their own business, don't ever get out of the mentality of trying to find somebody else at fault. Hmm. And they don't ever accept the reality that if it's broken, it's your fault. It doesn't. It, it's not your job necessarily. If you're the guy who's doing the detailing in the auto shop or, or, or replacing windshields or whatever, mm -hmm. um, 
it's not your job necessarily to do the task, but if it's not working well and it's not going right, it's it's your fault. And and people don't seem to gravitate towards that responsibility. They seem to, to flee from it. Yeah. And I think that that's a, a huge first step for a lot of folks is is getting out of that. Well, it's it's Joe's fault because he's the guy who's supposed to be changing the tire this way. Um, well, okay. Well, it's your job to make sure it gets done right. So ultimately, it's still it's still your job. And uh, uh, that's some, that's something I've seen folks just uh, really really struggle with is is getting away from accepting the responsibility that they've taken on by employing people and offering a service to the public and things like that. Um, anyhow, we're kind of getting sidetracked there. But uh, other things you, you mentioned, um, you said that one of the things that was important to you was, was finding your niche in your industry. What do you mean by that? Well, there's a lot of different avenues you can go in the auto body repair business. You can do restorations. You can do car lot quick repairs. You see people sometimes do, um, you know, spot jobs. Um, at dealerships, um, you know, but we we found we we kind of tried a little bit of everything, and we found after a while that um, the the money and and the type of work that we really wanted to do, which uh, was really doing the job um, correctly and safely, um, and getting paid for doing all that, had to do with insurance claims. So when it was, and basically collision work. So when mm -hmm. somebody got in a car accident, um, you know, like we already talked about, they would contact their insurance company or um, what I actually recommend is that they come get a free estimate first and find out, you know, how bad is it, you know, because right. you may not even want to open up a claim. Sure. But that was, uh, it was a profitable part of the industry and it was uh, a part that I could see growth in. I, I'd seen with, uh, with the restorations, uh, the drawback there was, um, well, um, we, we hadn't had much luck with it. And what, from what I've seen, most there's not too many shops that do it, and they, they all seem to struggle with it. So right. I knew that was there. And then, you know, the car lot stuff, um, you know, it's, it's, it's out there, but it's wholesale work. And at some point, you may have to decide whether you want to go wholesale or you want to go retail. And so, you know, we, we really looked at all the avenues and decided that the collision-based uh, insurance claim part was something that was um, – it was in interesting to us. It was challenging, and uh, we saw that there was a future in it. Right. I heard something a, f a few weeks ago, and I can't remember now where I heard it, but somebody uh, is either in a book or a podcast I was listening to or something, but um, I heard this saying, the riches are in the niches. Have you ever heard that before? I'd never oh, yeah. heard that before. Y have you? Okay. Well, yeah, I'd, I'd never heard that before, but uh, and it kind of clicked with me because in our industry, we've kind of found our niche as well, and uh, looking at at most anybody who runs their business, they kind of they kind of specialize in some area, and I think uh, folks that that try to cover in the beginning, you're so desperate for work, mm -hmm. <laughs> you're so desperate for money that you try to do everything and you don't do anything really well. And well, can I point something out, Brian? Sure. Uh, and I learned this actually from you. Um, when you say then that you have like an hour to talk <laughs> about this. <laughs> okay, here we go. So um, you pointed out to me a long time ago that um, you you took a different approach when you started your business, and um, you weren't going to just do it like everybody else. Right. And and you've obviously been very successful at it. And um, what I what I remember from that was um, you were going to um, do your own marketing. Mm -hmm. You were going to not do the traditional spend. You know thousands and thousands of dollars on the tr traditional marketing, but you were going to go out, um, kind of do door-to-door, um, -door, hands-on, whatever it mm -hmm. took. And, um, and that, was, um, that was a niche. That was something that I think your company has done really well at, and it has um, definitely been different than other companies. It's definitely non-traditional. Right. You know? Yeah, you don't see very many plumbers going door-to-door -door asking for business. No, 
<laughs> you know, and, and that probably worked for a while. And, you know, you may gravitate. I think you probably have gravitated towards the different type. But but you still, I think you still kept that traditional thing that you started with um, not doing just exactly what everyone else does. Right. Right. And the other thing, I think that the the real value for, for doing that uh, literally cold calling in any industry, and whenever folks call me and they want to do uh, a little bit of coaching and things like that, one of the first things I always recommend that they do is go do some cold calls. Just go do some in-person, knock on the door, introduce yourself, cold calls. And it's something that people absolutely run away from. It's it's very, very uncomfortable in the beginning. But what it does is it teaches you uh, what your consumers care about. And you, and when you walk into a business and you knock on the door and you say, hey, I'm Brian with the Plumbing and Drain Company and I'm, I'm offering our plumbing services, um, the, if they, you know, the the... 20% that respond favorably, and 20% might be a little optimistic, um, they will ask you the questions that are important to them. You know, pricing will certainly come up, but they'll ask about service, they'll ask about other things, and they begin to teach you what your consumers are looking for. And if you just open your doors and you you know hang a, a sign up that says, okay, I'm, I'm in business now, and you wait for people to come to you, you don't ever really experience that education of finding out what is important to the consumer. You're just doing what everybody else has done. Mm-hmm. And that is that is dangerous because if if the consumers are happy with what they already do, why would they call you? Why 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 wouldn't they just call to what they know? And so I think it is important for folks to to do that. Um, again, we had other monetary reasons why we were doing what we were doing. We, we were desperate for work, and we and we knew how to go find some folks to to get work. But we didn't pass the dry cleaners on the way to the retirement center. We stopped by the dry cleaners too, and mm-hmm. we offered our services there. And again, we just we got that real kind of hands-on thing, and for whatever reason, people don't want to have that. They don't want to have conversations anymore, especially with technology nowadays and things like that. We've kind of just moved away from from all that. And as as fast as we're heading towards technology, I constantly am telling people get back to relationships, get back to meeting people, get back to face-to-face conversations. Um, I think I think that stuff helps in in tons of ways. Um, it builds character too. It you does. Know, it no, does. really. When yeah. you when uh, I mean, it's one thing to if you're texting somebody or calling them on the phone. You know, they maybe um, they don't want your service. Um, that's one thing because they're just gonna like hang up on your you know in the conversation. Right. But when you're face to face with somebody, it's a character building thing. And yeah. you know, I, I I'm a big advocate of it too. You know, yeah. Brian, we've done the same thing. Um, and and for similar reasons. You know, we didn't have a lot of money for advertising. We wanted business, and so. We started developing relationships by going out to getting no other um, automotive, um, non-competitive automotive shops in the area. So, right. you know, I, I know most automotive shops. I know tire shops, and um, we try to build relationships with those guys, and yeah, it's worked out really yeah, well. Yeah, it's funny. Somebody just thought about it. We we're talking about uh, again. Kevin and I have had I don't know how many conversations about just stuff like this, and and uh, that's why I was really excited to have Kevin on. But one thing Kevin said, and I can't remember who all was in the room. It wasn't just me, but. Um, one of your business advisors told you at one point to go to the Seven Eleven down the street and ask them for a referral for a body shop. Mm-hmm. Isn't that something? <laughs> yeah, and and you said that was a little bit humbling. Yeah, because you know uh, we have a pretty good sized building on a busy <laughs> yeah, road. Yeah. yeah, there's there's two lanes going each way, and you know th- you think okay, hey, we're we're there. We've we've made it. We're we're in business, right? Oh, yeah, been well, around twenty years. We're yeah, <laughs> we're the man. So no, that's a that's a that, um, that's funny. You remember that. Um, yeah, so if uh, if a person you know gets that in their head, then they think that everybody knows where they are. I think they're a little mistaken. So 
um, he advised me to go down to the AMPM down the road, and it was about a mile or so down the road, and just say, just do a test. Just say, hey, I'm looking for a body shop. You know a good one? And, right. you know, I just got kind of a blank look, you know, <laughs> thinking, yeah, he's going to tell me, you know, center collision. No, that wasn't the case. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. It's it's uh, it's good to humble ourselves like that once in a while, I think. A Re- little bit of a reality check. <laughs> So you mentioned you wanted to go after uh, certain kinds of work. Uh, you you wanted to find your niche. Um, how did you go about attracting the type of work that you wanted? Well, that was a little difficult uh, uh, challenge there, Brian, because um, most body shops that what they do is they um, they want the insurance work because they know it's consistent that um, you know people are going to wreck cars. Unfortunately, it's part of life. You know, it's kind of like a doctor; he's yep. always in business, yep. right? Um, but uh, most of them end up uh, signing contracts with insurance companies to ensure that they will be directly sending work their way. So that's that's how they get on that list. Right. And we just, uh, I just kind of had something against that because I personally feel that uh, when you sign a contract with the insurance company that you um, you lose sight of who your real customer is. And, and, you know, we're talking about the personal thing, and that, to me, was like something, that was an element I didn't want to lose in my business. So I took a kind of a odd approach in the, collision industry and we want the collision work but we're not going to sign a contract with the insurance company for them to send work to us and and at the same time you know offer them discounts and um run our business the way they want us to we want to run it the way we want to run it we want to you know stand behind it and make sure that we're doing a proper safe job and all that and um so we went about it and um, created our own clientele, and I did it by ways, like I just told you, um, going out and visiting uh, automotive repair shops, and, um, and and we didn't just stop there. We went to, kind of like you said, you didn't, you know, bypass the dry cleaners. Um, right. So we stopped. I, honestly, I got to know everybody in my neighborhood. I've walked around um, various areas in Tacoma. Um, you, you know, we'll probably talk about this a little bit, but, you know, different networking meetings and right. just ways to get the word out that we we do this type of work but um, we are completely independent and i'm really proud of that i think um, we've created something that is um, kind of like a diamond in the rough it's you don't find very many independent auto body shops that have steady work like we do and right. as a matter of fact i can't tell you how many adjusters have come out to our shop and they look around and it's like wow got a lot of cars here who who's your uh, which insurance company are you working with and right. i said well um all of them or none of them however this you is, look at it this is my answer to that um people come here because they want to not because you made them <laughs> nice nice what's what's the response or do they even have oh one? they oh okay oh so you're not contracting I'm like no we're, we're not contracting with any and they kind of get a startled look on their face like oh that's huh i didn't know that was possible right 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 yeah but in my neighborhood i've walked around um various areas in tacoma um you know, we'll probably talk about this a little bit, but, you know, different networking meetings and right. just ways to get the word out that we we do this type of work. But um, we are completely independent, and I'm really proud of that. I think um, we've created something that is um, kind of like a diamond in the rough. It's You don't find very many independent auto body shops that have steady work like we do. And right. as a matter of fact, I can't tell you how many adjusters have come out to our shop, and they look around, and it's like, wow, got a lot of cars here. Who Who's your... Uh, which insurance company are you working with? And right. I said, well... Um, All of I'll, them, or none of them, however this you is, look at it. This is my answer to that. Um, people come here because they want to, not because you made them. Nice, <laughs> nice. 
What's what's the response? Or do they even? Have oh, any? they oh okay. Oh, so you're not contracting? Like no, we're we're not contracting with any. And they kind of get a startled look on their face, like oh that's, huh? I didn't know that was possible. Right, right, right. Yeah, so. it's uh it's interesting. So one of the things you said earlier was you you um you worked for some places and learned how not to run a business. What were a couple of things that stand out in your mind of things when you started out? You said I'm never going to do this, or I'm always going to do that, or what are a couple of things that you really um, you know, it sounded like you, you were, the, the contract thing was a big deal for you, but what other things were there that, that really drove you in a direction away or to something that, that you had learned at a previous employer? Well, um, I spent, spent seven years at uh, United Parcel Service, and uh, it's a big company, and um, I'm still friends with uh, quite a few guys I used to work with down there, believe it or not, and it was just quite a few years ago. But... You know, I'll be honest with you, they're, the way they run their company is, um, I don't want to put this without, um, delicately, um, they taught me, they, they sent me to school, Brian, and, and taught me how to, you know, what their policies were for the company, mm-hmm. but when, when we came back to the operation, they didn't follow their own policies, and it was very. It was a difficult thing for me to swallow that, you know, I'm supposed to do this, but yet in reality, they really didn't want me to do that. So, I guess what I'm saying is, you know, be honest with your employees and and also listen to them. I don't feel like they listened to us much. It was right. mostly, you know, telling us this is the way it's going to be. Right. And my experience with that, um, you know, there are times where you just have to lay the hammer down, but you've already you should already have some ground rules in play, you know, prior to that, you know, this is, this is the, this is the job. These are responsibilities. You, you should always have that laid out and fall back on that type of thing. But it seemed like, um, I, I just, uh, definitely had to experience there where, okay, I'm definitely not going to do this. Um, I, I felt there's, you know, um, not being straight up with the employees and, um, and really caring about them at all. Right. You know, so, so I guess that helped mold me to the type of company if I was ever going to own have my own company that I wanted to make sure I listened to my employees and that we um we we you know cared about them and treat them like you know like uh like normal people right. you know just like you and I yeah yeah well, that's definitely important that it's um it's it's a tough balance because you, you've got to filter the information you take in from employees, and you've got to kind of sort out. Yes, I need to really pay attention to this, or no, this is just a person complaining about whatever. Um, it is a tough, delicate dance you do there to to be engaged and to take take their position in consideration, but also be the one to make the final decision. And sometimes that's something they don't want to hear. They they don't agree with your decision. They may flat tell you you're making the wrong decision. And trusting your gut to uh, uh, to do the right thing in those situations—that's that's that's one of the main things about this. That's really really hard. Yeah, you know, well, as I was preparing to come over here this morning, Brian, I asked one of my employees. Um, well, I know he likes working there, so I asked. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I said, "Hey, you like working here?" Yeah, I love it here. You know, and um, I'm like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> so I said, "Well, what do you like about it?" And he said, "Well." You know, we have good communication. You know, we have a, a meeting every morning. We talk about things going on, and, you know, we can throw in some input. And you, you, he says, you know, I feel like you guys really listen. And he goes, I like the organization of the company, and, you know, we, we do a few things different um, 
that um, other company, other body shops don't. And you know, we're. Um, I think he really um, he thinks that he feels like he he's cared about. You right. know, and and a lot of times um, people are confused about this. They think, well, you know, my employees are leaving because they want to make more money somewhere else. Usually, it's because they aren't listened to. They aren't. They don't feel like they're heard, or they people don't. The the management doesn't care about me. Right. You know, and that's really what we've tried to um, acknowledge and overcome those things. So, right. you know, and I don't always. I'm always listening. You know, it's kind of like my dad's always got advice too. You know, I yeah. always listen, but I don't always do it all. Obviously. Right. 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 <laughs> but the same thing with your employees. You know. I've I've learned some pretty valuable things from our employees and some I mean some real home runs I mean sure. some things that we use on a regular basis that I would have never come up with myself so so we we openly encourage people to hey you know we have uh, you know we're always walking around the shop you know talk to us or you can put on a requisition form and we can discuss it later but yeah we we definitely want to you know want their input cause, right because I think they're um, the employees that we have uh, been extremely um, helpful in creating what we have right now. Sure. So talk to me about uh, one of the things you, you mentioned before we started was uh, realizing that a successful business should not be relying on you to be there to run it all the time. What do you mean by that? Well, the thing is um, you pretty much have to lay down what you're – you got to have some vision and some goals and some, you know, like a mission statement. What are you all about? And then um, create – business owners tend to keep a lot of things in their head, Brian. You know, it's like, yeah, I know how to do this. I know how to do that. <laughs> I know what, you know. But it's very helpful for you to put that down on paper. Um, started with your mission statement. You know, you might want to create a vision statement where we're going to go and then also uh, create responsibilities. I think it's a – it's an unfair thing to ask for an employee to come in and help out and solve problems if you don't give them clear direction. Right. So, so we've created, you know, um, policies. And initially, I looked at a policy like, well, that's a bad thing. Well, policies are pretty helpful. Keeps everybody on the same page because most people that are working in my shop have worked at other shops. And, right. And they'll bring some of the information that they've had, uh, whether it's good or bad, to your operation unless you. And sometimes that's good, but. Um, and you may want to adapt or even change some policies, but you have to have um, a way of um, letting your business and your employees know this is how we run things here. So if you're able to create that policies um, and uh, responsibilities and kind of what we call like a job hat for a person, whether they're a technician, a painter, or um, a CSR or mm -hmm. marketing, we've developed uh, – um, written plans and and key things that we look for to, for their performance and kind of give them the the playbook okay right. and so once you've done that i think that's a very um that's a fair thing to do for an employee because they know what's expected rather than just go out and solve problems well what problems you know wh how do i know if i've solved them i mean it, where's where are you setting the bar at what do, you know how do i know if i'm doing a good bad or a job a bad job right um, so by doing that, and if you do that, you can actually create a, a business where you can kind of weed yourself out of it. So one thing my consultant told me was write down everything you do when you go in the office. And I, well, okay. From emptying the garbage to, you know, making phone calls, right. collecting money. And he goes, yeah. And I was like, well, I'm pretty much doing everything. He's okay. Write them down. 
And so slowly but surely, he says, what I want you to do is I want you to um, create a job, and I want you to assign that to somebody else and assign it with an explanation of what the, how, how that's supposed to go, like, right. kind of like a you know, best-case scenario. Mm-hmm. And so I guess what, you can, what I'm saying is you can create a company by doing that, getting all those ideas out of your head, put them on paper, pass those things on to your employees, give them the, the um, knowledge and opportunity to be successful, and you can eventually weed yourself out of, out of well, kind of out of a job, but I mean out of the day-to-day responsibilities, right. which, which I know you and I have you know, Yeah, and that's one thing that, that uh, any business consultant coach will tell you, uh, I think the cliche term is you need to be working on your business, not in your business. Right. You know, I you hear that all the time. And I don't think people really understand um, what that's supposed to mean. One of the ways I've always put it to folks is um, anything you'd, you, if you were to assign this task to somebody and you're going to pay them less than $20 an hour, you should never be doing that if you're the business owner or the manager. Um, you know, like you said, taking out the unless you like doing like it. <laughs> that's right. I guess unless you like doing it, yeah. Um, but anything that's not not a, a, a you know a more expensive skill to pay for, right? You shouldn't be spending your time doing that. You, mm-hmm. if if you're better suited for that, then you're probably not really well suited to run a business if you're if you're too comfortable doing that that well, easier stuff. On that note, my consultant called me one day, and I was on the road um, delivering a car. And first question he asked me is like, "Why are you doing that?" Right. <laughs> it's exactly what you just said because, yeah. you know, you have. There's only so much time in the day, and um, not everybody's a business owner. So if you are the business owner, you should be wearing that hat and making sure that you're doing your job. And your job is not doing jobs that should be done by other people. Right. So. Right. Yeah. And the and and you know, I'm certainly not opposed to taking out the garbage, and I do it when I need to, and I'm sure you're not opposed to delivering cars. You probably do that when you need to. Yep. Um, there's exceptions to everything. Um, I think kind of going back to what we very first started talking about was, um, you know, if you're a person who's, whose nature is to enjoy the, the, the industry you're doing, the job of being the technician or being the plumber or whatever, you're more comfortable doing that. And when there's nothing else to do or you're not sure what to do, you're going to default back to those kinds of things rather than taking on the more trickier responsibility of, solving problems, implementing process to make things better and things like that. Um, one thing you, you also said, uh, uh, talking about transparency and having processes and procedures, and I know for a lot of folks that sounds uh, very corporate America and you don't, you know, nobody wants to have processes and procedures, nobody wants to have employee handbooks and things like that. But one of the things I always, I always try to, to tell folks is, is it's not fair to, to play a game with somebody chess, cribbage, you know, basketball, without defining what the rules of the game are. Right. It would not be fair in any other situation in the world to say, we're going to do this thing, and the only time you're going to hear from me is when you do something wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to tell you how to do it in the beginning. I'm only going to jump in when you're doing something wrong, and I'm only going to be there c- to criticize it when it doesn't go the way I think it should be done. But I'm not going to give you the tools in advance to be successful. And, it, and it's really, really, uh, it, it doesn't serve any purpose. I don't understand what the discomfort there is for folks maybe you have some insight on that well i think uh as a business owner um it's easy to look at that as a non-productive task creating um what we just talked about policies procedures that's why i looked at it and um i've changed my mind because uh i see that the value of it um when i hired my manager about a year ago um i had already laid out a a pretty extensive plan on what his responsibility responsibilities were going to be from 
the second he walked into the office, um, what, what he was, you know, turning on the lights and, mm-hmm. you know, all that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, he read, we went through that together and he said, wow, um, I, I know what my job is now. And it was no, um, no mystery. And right. we've had a great relationship. And um, I think it was, uh, and Brian, I'm not, don't, I'm, I'm not going to say, hey, I've got it all ironed out. It's, it's a work in progress, sure. trust me. But yeah. I do see the value of that. And I think um, a lot of business owners, um, they don't, it's a daunting task. You know, it takes time. And, but it's a, it's a task that is um, required if you're going to, if you're going to build a business. Some, some people, they'll go the franchise route because this stuff's already done. You know? Right. They already have a logo. They already have a slogan. They've already got, you know, marketing strategies figured out and they already have, you know, the game plan and all that. And that's not a bad way to go, but, you know, there's nothing's free. So you, you can do a franchise and sometimes it works out good. Or if you do your own, you'll, in ways you'll save money. But then again, um, you'll have to develop these things, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't, uh, I know some folks who do, have done the franchise things and love it. And I know some folks who've done the franchise thing and, and uh, have not had good experiences with it. Um, I don't know that, I don't know that I would enjoy that. I enjoy the creating. I enjoy the 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 analyzing and figuring this stuff out and writing the procedures and policies. I, I that part I I enjoy. I enjoy trying to to navigate the path ahead of time. I I think I get bored if somebody would just say, okay, here's your playbook. Just it's kind of a plug and play kind you of. You know, thing. once I figured out um, with a little bit of help from uh, my consulting company to kind of set a. Um, just kind of a little template how to do it. You know, we write the, number one, the purpose. Why, why are we even have this, you know? So we write a purpose, and, you know, so that we have a, say, say it's like a, a cleanliness thing. So the purpose would be so that we have a clean shop. So our customers would see that we care about their cars, we care about right. our facility. And then you write down the steps. Like it could be the responsibilities of, you know, every day make sure the garbage is empty, your area is swept up and all that. And then, so it's really can be real simple, just a few steps, and then the end result is, you know, the shop's clean, everybody's happy, boss doesn't have to get on my case. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. yeah. Um, so one of the things you, you mentioned uh, or on, or on your, your notes here is, uh, and I'm skipping around a little bit, but um, and we're, gonna, we're running out of time here, so I'm gonna, I want to make sure I get to this, though. Uh, no success in life can compensate for failure in the home. What do you mean by that? What led you to, what led you to write that down? Well... You know, it's easy to get wrapped up in business, and you can explain all you want to your family, your wife, your kids, that, you know, um, I was trying to provide for you and, you know, do, you know, do what I was supposed to be doing. Well, you got to balance things out in life, and I really like that quote because I think that it uh, puts it in perspective. Um, you can be the most successful person, you know, in business in the world, but if you... Um, if you lose it on the home front, then, you know, what do you got? Right. You don't have a whole lot. So, you know, it's, I realized after getting in business for a, a short period of time that I could work 24 seven. I mean, there was that much work and I would just be that much richer, I yeah. guess. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just make that much more money. And, um, you know, uh, my wife and I have had a few discussions about this and I, I like that quote because it helps, helps me put it in perspective that, um, I mean, if you, if you were to, you know, be so rich, but in the meantime, you've lost, you know, the things that are, you know, really important to you, then, you know, is that really success? Right. So I'm picturing Ebenezer Scrooge. Is that, <laughs> <laughs> I'm picturing him as the poster child for, uh, or the, <laughs> for 
for the guy who takes that to the extreme, right? Yeah. <laughs> so it's just something to, you know, balance things out. And, and every every business, every uh, marriage, couple, they have different ways of approaching things. But for me, I think that that's a quote that's um, kind of resonated with me because, um, I know, I... I, I, I I want things in life. I want, you know, I want to have money and vacation and, you know, these, these fun things. But at the same time, um, you know, you, if it's your kid's birthday, they're at a base, you know, if they're having a baseball game, it's like, you know, don't forget about those things. Right. Right. Uh, that's great. Great. Uh, great point there. So, Hey, before we run out of time, I want you to talk about everybody about uh, wheels to prosper. You started doing this uh, three years ago, four years ago? This will oh. be our fourth year this year. Your fourth year this year, okay. So why don't you take a couple minutes just tell everybody what Wheels to Prosper is all about and how you got started with it. Well, as part of my training, um, I would go to conventions. I still do about every six months um, at least. And so I'm always learning about things going on around the country. And um, something I picked up on um, a few years ago was that guys in different parts of the country were um, doing something really cool for their community and they would um, seek out a deserving person and um, and give them a car and uh, I thought that's a pretty cool idea and so I didn't know anybody around here doing it and um, a couple friends of mine had really gone through and kind of like we we're talking about the procedures and stuff they kind of set out a real um, a pretty clear game plan on how to set it up and for it to be successful so I took that information and I looked around my community and thought well we can definitely use this and so um, with the help of a lot of people in our networking group through Ignite U um, I was able to successfully launch this a few years ago and the the crazy thing is it's really um, it's just built up and gone um, from kind of a small idea to a bigger idea and a lot of other people are getting involved and so ultimately Brian what we end up with is um, Pretty much everything is um, donated from the car to the services on the car to the food and everything. And it's an event that we hold at our shop every year. And this year is going to be on the 20th of July. And um, what we do is we seek out, uh, we make nominations forms. You can also go to our website, centercollision.com, and nominate somebody that is a deserving person. Now, the person we're looking for is... And to, to be clear, we're talking about somebody who's going to get a car. Somebody's going to get a car right. for free. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Thanks. I think <laughs> I think we missed the the. Uh, so the 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 nuts and bolts of it is there's a person who's going to get a car free, no obligation. Yep. You're going to hand them the keys. They're going to drive away a car. A person who deserves it. It's been nominated by somebody in the community, and right. then it goes through the process. Okay. Uh, yeah. So that's the thing is uh, they can't nominate themselves. They have to be. Um, we're looking for the person that would, you know, probably nominate themselves last, and so. Right. The person is always helping other people, and we've successfully done this um, three years already, and this will be our, our fourth year. And um, so we we let the community know that um, we're looking for nominations, and we typically have about thirty people get nominated, and that involves a little bit of a background, like this. Tell us about this person. Tell us their history, their story, what's going on, why they need a car, um, what kind of struggles have they overcome, and we're looking for um, people that have or are overcoming struggles and are basically on the right path, but they still need a car. So um, we've had uh, In-N-Out Auto Sales have donated a vehicle for the last couple of years, and they plan on donating another, another vehicle this year. And um, it's, it's a pretty cool thing. So I guess the way I like to describe it is everybody wins. Right. Person, a deserving person gets a car. They're nominated. They're chosen by a panel of, I handpick about 10 people, um, 
that uh, go through the nominations. It takes about two hours, and they, they come out of the room and say, okay, here's who we've chosen. Right. And uh, the community gets to be involved in um, doing something that uh, um, is pretty awesome. You know, it, it, I think it makes our community a better place, and it brings a lot of uh, communities together, a lot of people. And I can't tell you how many people um, look forward to being involved and donating and um, helping this um, be a successful program every year. Yeah. Oh, it really is a cool event. I think I've gone every year. I don't think I've met. I think I'm pretty sure I've gone every year. It's been a really cool thing that you're doing. And, uh, uh, you know, just watching somebody walk away with a, a car that has, you know, found some hard times or something like that, but is really a good person at heart. And, uh, um, I think part of the, part of the, the process is the, the nominator reads their nomination. Is that when yeah. it, at the, at the event? That's kind yeah. of a touching thing. Cause yeah, it's it, uh, there's not generally very many uh, dry eyes in the room when that's over with. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> including you. Know, you. <laughs> <laughs> that's always a tough one, but yeah, you know, um, the person that nominate them um, f- to read that in front of the person that's a that's a sometimes a difficult thing, but um, you know, it's it's a real heartwarming um, situation, and to see somebody that has overcome problems and uh, struggles and. Um, now has a community support behind them. It's a pretty wonderful thing. Yeah, you know? no, it really is. And and uh, again, having been a part of it in a, a very small way over the last few years, what has really struck me is the the number of people out there in our community who are just doing amazing things you just never know about. Um, I remember the one a couple of years ago. Uh, the the number of things that she volunteered in uh, with no car. Taking yeah. public transportation and getting rides from family and friends to go volunteer at, it seemed like she had one or two things a day that she volunteered at. It mm-hmm. seemed, like, and uh, it was just, it's pretty, uh, pretty awe inspiring to to see that there's still people in the world who are doing that kind of thing. So, super cool thing you're doing of, of taking care of folks like that. It's uh, it's really awesome. I'm glad you're doing it. And uh, like Kevin said, if you want to get information on that, uh, the the nomination forms you can get at centercollision.com. Anything else you want to say before we run out of time here, Kevin? We got about uh, two minutes left here. Anything else you want to say, or you want to wrap it up? Oh, um, nah, it's been fun, Brian. I mean, uh, really didn't know what to expect initially, and uh, I was a little bit nervous, and I hope it, I didn't come across too nervous. No, but, you, no, you did great. You uh, did great. You know, I have a lot of ideas about our industry. I love it. Um, I mean, I honestly, I love my job. If you call it a job, sometimes I wonder, am I working? Yeah. <laughs> when we're out on the boat, I don't know, were we right. working that yeah, day? I, I think we were working. <laughs> we solved a lot of problems that day. Um, <laughs> no, it's great of getting involved with the, you know, we have an awesome community here, um, just uh, some cool people. And I, I like, uh, you know, just being, um, I, I guess, making changes, making, um, trying to make place make uh, Tacoma a better place. You know, yeah. I feel like uh, I, I know you're on the same, you know, on board with that kind of stuff. Um, I I love the industry, and I just like uh, like our community. And, you know, it's cool to be able to take something in our industry and, and to make, make the community um, make it better and um, improve it. And Right. Yeah. Well, Tacoma's lucky to have you, man. Uh, uh, great job everything you're doing. Again, uh, centercollision.com if you have a car accident uh, or you're involved in the car accident. Um Please uh, give those guys a shot. They do great work over there. You can also reach them at 253-779-8342. And they're on 1111 Center Street right down here in Tacoma. So, uh, Kevin, thanks a lot for coming on. Sure appreciate it. 
Um, next week, we're going to have on Lyle Cruz. He's going to talk about his property management business. And uh, just a reminder, if you're interested in being a sponsor of this podcast, we're all ears for that. You can reach me at brian at brianlharding.com. And uh, thanks again, Kevin. Really appreciate you coming on. You did a great job. Thanks for and, the invite. Uh, thank you all for listening. And that's it for today. We'll talk to you all next week. <laughs>